You've been to more countries than you can remember? Yeah, I've been to a bunch of countries. You know, I was going from a strong military background to civilian now, yeah. and I'm transitioning at yeah. the same time. What drives you, what makes it happen? Anytime I get like any kind of negativity in life, all the things I've been through and stuff, I just put that like chip on my shoulder. What is the craziest thing you've seen doing a home inspection? They, they had a very interesting room. <laughs> Welcome to the Get Above the Line podcast. And today, got a special guest, Christian House. He's the owner of H2H Inspectors and Alpha Radon Remediation. Yes, sir. And he's got 12 years active duty in the Air Force. The skill sets he's obtained in service are cryogenic production. Cryogenic so, production and maintenance, making liquid oxygen, liquid nitrogen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fuel servicing, storage systems, environmental and safety, logistics, and operational management. Right. You lived overseas for 10 years, mainly in Japan and Europe. You've been to more countries than you can remember? Yeah, I've been to a bunch of countries. You got your home inspector's license in 2016 and started full-time in 2017. And you started doing radon mitigation as a side hustle in 2019. Man, that's a heck of a... That, so, that's a heck of an intro, man. I, sh I should add a couple extra things. I don't know. <laughs> is, it, is this content sponsored by Essentia? Uh, the, the water? Are no. We, are we being sponsored? Are we Not being yet. Sponsored by On Nicotine? No, we oh, should be. I sh I'm going to move these out of the out of the way then. We, we won't should talk be. about them anymore. So you were in the Air Force right for out of high school. Years. Oh yeah, yeah. I seen the writing on the wall. Um, it's probably like my junior year. I was like, oh man, I'm not. I don't have what it takes to go to college. Like uh, oldest of five, and you know, gr growing up poor with uh, you know a bunch of Mountain Dew drinkers, like my parents down in Lincoln County. Oh, Lincoln and County. Down in Lincoln County, Kentucky. So um, the writing on the wall, parents kind of set the expectations like, hey, you, you want to go to college? You can pay for college. But there's four others behind you. So you right. got to figure something out. Uh, God bless my parents. So they they always supportive. But the, uh, the out for me, you know, growing up in, you know, below middle class was, shoot, I got I to do something else. And the, the military was one of those outlets unfortunately. So what pointed you towards the military? One of my uncles uh, made a suggestion because I was kind of like the black wolf of the family. I was always a troublemaker growing up, getting suspended from school, things of that nature. Uh, what would you, so, you get suspended for? Uh, fighting some what of it. What was the worst thing? Let's just go right to that. The middle school. It was probably middle school. Um, oh, I don't even want to discuss it because it's just like, it's horrible. But uh, fighting and then picking on kids on the bus. I was a little bit of a troublemaker and I didn't get my stuff together until I got my... Uh, my driver's license, and that's when I started behaving. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. A lot of it I had to like deal with that. Uh, for me. Uh, I, got my, I got my driver's license, and where I got three little sisters and a little brother, my oldest little sister was, like, everywhere with me. So I had, like, no choice but to behave because I was like, oh. Okay. I got my baby sister who later turned into my best friend. And uh, so just, yeah, driving around with her, yeah, kind of straightened me up and started doing better in school. Growing up in that kind of environment, as far as you know, spending the summers and the, sp the spring and summers like chopping wood to heat the house, uh, being on the road with dad, working in commercial construction with him, um, I was like, man, I don't want this kind of lifestyle. I want to do something different. And at the time, nobody was really going to the military. At the time, I think my graduating class in high school was like 400 kids, mm. and there's only three of us right out of high school that went to the military. Wow. Like two of us went to Air Force, and I think uh, one of the other guys went to, to Marine Corps. And um, I was glad I did because. I learned in in tech school in the Air Force, like I did not have the, the study skills I needed 
I didn't learn those study skills yeah. until later in life. Like I thought high school did a good job teaching me my study skills. Right. Nah, they just got me through. Even though I was making good grades, going through tech school in the military was 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 hard for me. I had to like really buckle down, learn my my skill sets and study. And it was a really good eye-opening experience because I was not going to make it into college like right out of high school. I would have, yeah, flunked out. Who knows? Been working for the family business, working with dad. You said a couple yeah. things there that like I wasn't in the military. But I haven't met anyone or worked with anyone that was in the military that I don't like working with. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's something that gets put into people in the military that a lot of people don't get. Then the other connection that I made in what you said was chopping firewood and working hard and, you know, putting all that labor in. And I think that that's another thing that I connect with with people is like when kids are raised like that. They have a different approach. Like a lot of that's missing in yeah. the world today. Yeah, like, like some grit. Like yeah. that grit and like, yeah. I, I mean, I would even go as far as my grand, my grandfather. I mean, he was the coolest guy in the woods, like had this place out in the middle of nowhere. I could call it nothing short of gender shaming. Like he would call me a little, I mean, and I know that's not okay today, but yeah, exactly. like he'd be like, you're acting like a little girl, yeah. you your know, like it was soft. like, your yeah. hands are soft. Oh, Why yeah. are your hands in your pockets? Yeah, Like it was always <laughs> like, if I wasn't working, all the time and not complaining, it was a thing. And it was like, I always felt like if I didn't work, I would not be invited back. I was not allowed in his space if I didn't work my ass off. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. And it really says a lot about you. So so was it right out of the military? What did you went right when you got done with the military? So got it done in the military in 2016. Um, you know, Bob Sapphire, I was living in, in Lithuania at the time with my son's mother. And um, she, was, she was a big reason, big push for why I got out of the military. And uh, so I didn't know what I really wanted to do. And at the time, we were living in Lithuania and Palanga. And when, when that time came when I was done, done with the military, and I was putting my CV, my resume out there as far as to find, like, some local work and things, I uh, wasn't finding a whole lot of luck with my skill sets. And then on top of it all, I wasn't fluent in Russian, wasn't fluent in Lithuanian. Um, you know, I picked up languages through my travels, but right. I never became fluent in anything. Right. So I really seen the limitations on, even though with my skill sets and my work ethic and stuff that I wasn't going to be able to provide for my family overseas. Right. And at the time, the, the relationship was starting to take a downward turn, um, especially once I got out of the service, uh, the relationship with my son's mother started going down and I kind of seen the writing on the wall. So uh, I, I bought a property in Lexington, never lived in Lexington, Kentucky before. So I started looking up at, in areas uh, all over the states, like, where could I go? I was even considering Atlanta, Georgia, pretty strong. Uh, I think a couple spots in Texas and a few spots in Florida at you the said time. You hadn't been to Lexington? Never lived in Lexington before. So like, the, so moving to Lexington in 2017, that's like the first time, like living in Lexington. Yeah. So I had no connections, nothing. And uh, bought, a, bought a house, sight unseen in, in Lexington, had a great real estate agent um, at the time who I met through, I can't remember what the popular website was at the time, uh, maybe realtor or something. Truly. That, Maybe, yeah, maybe that one. Who was it? Uh, Trina Hinkle. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, real, real good agent. So she, she hooked me up, bought a house sight unseen, bought a, uh, and paid eight hundred bucks for a home inspection. And when I got the home inspection report back, the grammar was bad, the photos were bad. Get, trying to get a hold of the, the the gentleman who was doing home inspections was difficult, even like through text message. Yeah. Granted, I was living overseas, and we had like a six hour time difference at the time. Yeah, I was, I was like, hey, I got, I got some questions, like some major concerns. And I was already pretty familiar with, with real estate and properties and homes and, and systems at this point from, right. from working commercial construction with my father. I was really disappointed for the quality of the money that I paid and the quality of the service I was getting in return that 
the home inspection industry kind of fell into my lap at that time. Yeah. And so, you know, I was in this transition, getting out of the service, going from somebody who was, you know, incredibly busy, valued to being essentially like a nobody and having, you know, minimal direction, minimal insight into, you know, what I want to do, my personal relationship with my son's mother's failing, you know, feeling like a loser. And it's like, man, what am I going to do? And and I had a chunk of change. I was sitting on just a little bit of save money. Thank God that would get me by, right. you know, for like two years. I was just like, screw it. Let me look into, let me look into home inspection. That's awesome. And at that time, I found like some of these veteran-friendly franchises. Um, and one of these large national brands showed up on there. So I was like, oh, let me give them a shot. And uh, man, a lot of hard lessons learned with that, being a former franchisee with a large national home inspection brand. But uh, yeah, hit the ground running hard and got my license in 2016 and then started doing home inspections full time in 2017. That's that's really cool. So it's based on the fact that you got like an outdated report with, Just bad, below with average. bad communication. Grammar was bad, misspellings bad in the report. There's in the demographics. No they probably took a week to get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was... It took him a few days to get back to me, but yeah. I mean, he was, um, I mean, he's not in business anymore. So for good reason, but, uh, so how long did it take you to get, start making money in the inspecting business? Shoot. I didn't get a, my first paid job didn't happen for over four months. So you signed up to be a franchisee. You spent four months of trying to get business, trying to get business. And so how'd and you get your first inspection? Wasn't even the recommendations from the franchisee. It was, uh, because that was one thing I learned through this process, just because, you know, when you get into the service industry, just because say, if you're going to be a franchisee or you get in with a large, like corporate service industry, just because there's the name there does not mean that you're going to immediately get business 100%. at all. And when you're in the service industry, that's something a lot of people fail to realize, especially my own fault. I mean, again, I was naive, came out something in the early thirties at the time, had no idea, you know, completely disconnected from, you know, civilian life and the corporate culture and all that stuff, you know, how important it is to put your name out there and people aren't going to give you a shot, you know, with just a national brand behind you. Right. You know, that doesn't matter. They got to see, you know, you like, you trust you and they got to, you know, meet you and, you know, give you those opportunities. And, and some of the, the first opportunities I got, um, going to a number of open houses and then social media. Um, so like some of the marketing strategies that the national franchise, that I was part of had in place was antiquated information. Right. And it was, and, and they like the way they sold it to me. And again, I was overseas. I wasn't even stateside. So I didn't have like much to go off of. Right. Um, things of that nature. I talked to other franchisees that they told me to contact who were like, you know, they, they, they were drinking the Kool-Aid. They were, they were definitely drinking the Kool-Aid hard. Right. You know, right. because they were getting paid to, to say nice things about the franchise. Well, and you probably didn't know the right questions to ask at the time either. Right. Like, yeah. You, you My say first, what, yeah. Right. Like if you went back and you asked those people, the questions you have now, it'd probably be a totally different situation because they probably wouldn't have been able to answer you. You'd be like, bullshit. Yeah. Like, because I think that that's, that's something, one thing to point out, like when people are getting started in a new business, you don't, know what you, should be help. you don't know what you should be asking. Exactly. You don't know what you should be. And at the time, 2016, 17, you know, there was some information out there because I did a lot of research like on YouTube and things like that because those platforms were prevalent, but there wasn't as much social media content in service industries, so right. to speak, as there is now. There's like so much information out there now. Like right. you don't, you know, is it a good idea to have a mentor? Sure. Do you have to have one? No. Do you have to be part of a franchise? No. Can you be a self-starter and go get it yourself? Yes. Can you self-learn? Yes. How much are you willing to sacrifice? Right. The more you sacrifice, the more you can get back. Right. And, you know, through a lot of those sacrifices and then moving into Lexington um, and then going to open houses, 
and just taking a lot of no's, going to offices, trying to do presentations, uh, joining professional networking groups, uh, and just like rinse and repeat my, my commercials and my communication skill sets. You know, I was going from a strong military background to civilian now, yeah. and I'm transitioning at yeah. the same time. And, really I, cool. and I have to learn how to adjust my vernacular and how I'm talking, how I speak to things, like how I'm speaking to people. It's really Not cool. that I'm aggressive about how I'm speaking to people or anything, but now I have to sell myself where right. I came from an environment where I didn't have to. No, it just you just had to stay in the box. Yeah, like, just do a good job. Do, do a good job. Yep, exactly. That's really, really cool. One of the podcasts that I had seen the other day was Jordan Belfort and Tucker Carlson. And I'm telling you what, like, ever since Tucker's been on his own. <laughs> he's like, fine. He's an interesting he's, individual. He's, the auth, uh, he's so authentic. Like, yeah. he's, like, super smart and so authentic. Well, anyway, he's got Jordan Belfort on there. You know, I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, and yeah. I love the movie. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I've even read his book, right? Yeah. The Straight Line Selling System or whatever. But he was telling his story about how he got in, or how the movie was made, like, yeah. and how he wrote this book. But he was in prison with, he was in prison with, not the big Cheech, marijuana not guys. Cheech, the other guy, yeah. Okay, the big marijuana guy. Yeah, guys. he's yeah. in there with him, and he's, you know, they're in a cell together, and he starts telling his story. Chong was like, that's the most interesting story I've ever heard in my life. You need to put that on paper. You need to get this on paper. So what made me think about that right just now was that, he went to the library and got a book, and I wish I knew what the author's name was, but he started reading this book, and he's like, that's how I want to write. So then he took the book, and he got a highlighter, and he highlighted how he was able to get his message across in the different ways that he structured his, that's how he learned to write. Yeah. So from that book, then he wrote 10 pages and sent it to a book publisher, and the book publisher will write me 10 more pages, and it took a couple of months or whatever. And then they're like, you've got a hit here. You know, like, based on him, stopping like you did but you had to stop and like change your skill set from something you did before yeah to your new self yeah and, going from uh, a, a pos like a horrible human being to like oh how am i gonna be a good person and like market this now yeah right <laughs> i mean but I, I that's not the part that i connected to but i'm saying but i'm saying i mean yeah like that's the that's the thing to attach to because like whether you, how you can reinvent yourself whether you have a mentor whether you don't now i think that there's ways to speed up progress, right? right? But people that don't have that, like the progress is gonna go slow no matter what. No matter if you're working with someone, you're not working with someone, whether you're doing it by yourself, like you gotta have that inner like push to like make those things happen and make that change yeah. happen, especially when you're on an island all by yourself. Yeah, because uh, entrepreneurship, being in business for yourself is most is the, the loneliest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Like even even some of the journeys I've been by myself on, I've never felt as lonely as going into business on my own. Man. It's, it's the loneliest thing I've ever done. And I've been through some hard shit and I've been through some hard stuff in my past. It's, and uh, and uh, it, this has been lonely. It's not been the most difficult thing, yeah. but it's, it's been very interesting. Well, I know from the first time I've, I, I, that we met, and I don't remember the first time we met, but I, I mean, I've been, I mean, I, I was sold the first time. Or maybe it was your social media. Like, I think it was uh, gently social media because I started posting on Facebook a lot more. Like you would take... And, and that's the thing. It's like, I can always spot in other people's business, like what they should be doing on social media. And then like mine seems so boring. Right. And it's being able to like spot, like I think somebody uh, said it as like the Kardashian effect, like until the Kardashians, nobody like went behind the scenes and now everybody expects the behind the scenes look. Right. Like that's what they want to see. They want to see, you know, what other people don't see. And I think you've attached yeah. to that very, you've attached to that very quickly with your business 
you know, where as, you know, I'm sure you see some crazy stuff. Yeah. But like, you could take something mediocre and make it into something crazy just to share it with people. And I think that like that realness has really, I mean, it really resonated with me. Yeah. And I know it's resonated with a lot of other people. The other thing you were, did a lot was you would take the agent that was at the open house or not at the open yeah. house, but at the inspection and you yeah. make a big post about that agent. Yeah. And then the agent shares that information, yeah. you know? Yeah. So now you've got them disseminating your brand out into the world. And I thought that was, that was genius too. Yeah. And it was like people like, I feel like people like, called you they may not do a lot of business but they called you because they wanted you to post a picture of them yeah the agents did. yeah they didn't yeah. have anything to do with their clients exactly. it was like getting on uh getting on your news feed so and that brings up a great point too because you know with the the again going back to service industries like look at the demographics like what your competition is doing but also pay attention to a lot of the things that they're not doing yeah and and so many people get hung up i've noticed with awkwardness you know they don't want to come across awkward they don't want to come across uh, they want to be, you know, they want to be authentic, but they want to be professional. They want to get it right the first time. They don't want to stutter. They don't want to say the ums, all that other stuff. It's like, no, get it out there. If you're uncomfortable in front of the camera, That's if you're the magic, if you're, yeah, exactly. If you're uncomfortable with the process, just put that out there and own it. Right. Because, you know, nobody's going to make fun of you for owning it right. at the same time. It, cause a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. They can't embrace that awkwardness. I create a persona for myself in a different way than you did. Mine wasn't the behind the scenes. Mine was, I just got in the middle of a deal and now your parents aren't gonna list their house with you, they're gonna list it with me. Yeah. And I caused a lot, of, that caused a lot of- Drama. I, I got a lot of back, back from it. You know, like, that's my persona is that I'm out taking business from other people. Yeah. And, and in my world, like, how I deal with that is that I feel like I have a duty for the clients and to help them get the best results and I feel like I can deliver those. Yeah. That's my mindset. So the persona that I created was is based on their reaction to how I do business, but how I do business is to help people and to yeah. do the right thing. So exactly. it's like, and if even people are like complaining about you, that's a good thing because they're right. not talking about you. Until I started putting videos out, people didn't connect with me as a person. They didn't right. even know me and they took some, and it, right now I'm just speaking of real estate agents, but also like, I mean, I have a pretty big following on social media but I never really connected with people until I started putting videos out. And so in the more regularly I do it, I just challenge myself to put one out every day for 30 days. I skipped two days, but I've been in it for like 11 days now. Congrats. But, but I feel like that piece of it, like I'll get a call and they'll be like, yeah, you seem to know what you're talking about when it comes to this. And I saw your video and I'm like, this shit works for you like 24 hours a day. Like you don't even know where people are seeing it, where it's getting shared. You might see, you only got a couple hundred views on it, but then, somebody makes a comment when you see them out at a store and they're like, man, that video was fire. And I'm like, you know, why didn't you say something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. that video is just such a huge part of business. Now we touched on the franchise thing for a minute. You recently haven't been doing business in Lexington or right. you just started business back up. Yeah. So I left, uh, so the, the, um, I, I was, yeah, with a, a national franchise, uh, brand and I, I left it. So it seemed through the smoke and mirrors and everything, uh, during the pandemic, and just wasn't happy with uh, their their leadership, their way forward, and then some of the um, <sighs> aggressive marketing tactics that they had at the time. You know, they were like selling like, "Oh, it's only eleven percent," but then you know, me not understanding to read the fine print as far as in the contract and things of that nature, uh, didn't understand that you know there's a lot of preferred vendors, and then a lot of those preferred vendors are either owned or they got incredibly close connections with and relationships with. And so, like, end of the day, you know, a lot of my fees were coming out to be about 20 to 23% a month paying mm. towards the, the, the franchise. And so some of those hard lessons learned, 
they the no minimal support as far as like SEO generation and like Google right. uh, and a lot of the, the processes and systems that they had in at the time were not geared towards my demographics. They they had there was too many uh, older headshed, older leadership in those positions that did not understand the power of like social media, the marketing, the Google SEO generation. Right. They were wanting you know us to utilize old marketing techniques from antiquated blogs as far as like what is that called with the essays and stuff like that yeah some like just in, in the in simple just, in the simple stuff you were doing was crushing it yeah the simple stuff you were doing was yeah. crushing it and the the franchise fees you were paying was not producing the results wasn't producing for the, the results the return and on the investment exactly like, and what i was led to believe as far as you know with the national brand that it was going to bring in business did not did not come to fruition Right. Um, in my area. And then something else I later discovered, you know, there was three or four other franchisees in my market at the time that it failed. Three of them failed. One, one guy just ended up leaving. And so any, any of the agents who remembered any of those people, you know, I would run into periodically, you know, they didn't have a particularly good opinion on. So, you know, nobody told me that I didn't learn no. about those things until right. I started getting into the system. And then when, you know, trying to do the research on the background, as far as, you right. know, who these people were, it's like, it's hard to find that information out. Um, I did some research on region. you today. I've got some. I've got some tips for you, because you I are mean, connected to a lot of the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I thought you're. I spelled your name wrong the first time. I'm like, man, SEO would be tough with your name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, Christian spelt with a no. Yeah, Christian House yeah. is like. There's like all kinds of like recovery centers and churches and there's like Tons. 50 million different things popped up. I'm like, where's my boy? Like yeah. he's not on here, right? Yeah. But I had the A in there instead of the O. Right. So right. then I was like, I was thinking about that. But then once you put the O in, I've got some solutions for you that I'll share yeah. with you when we're, when okay. we're done. Yeah. I've, got some, I've, got some, I've got some things that will really help you because I've really wrapped. I mean, that's something that from the day one. In fact, I got, I was at Remax. That was where I started. Yeah. And they put me on probation. They put me on probation because I didn't. Uh, produce in the first 90 days or whatever. They're like, if the sales manager took me aside, and he said, look, if you don't do anything in the next 90 days, we're going to have to let you go. I mean, it's a real funny story. Like, oh, like I, yeah. I probably do more than their whole office. But I, that's what I was doing the whole time. I was yeah. like, like I had created this like brand. I made this top 10 things of like, I am, I still have it. It's still part of my bio, but it's not as, it's not as uh, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. but it was my top 10. It was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I study negotiations and, you know, I, I, uh, I'm always on time. I'm, I'm trying to think of all of them. And what I've learned later on is those are principles. Like principles are really important when you're in business. Like right. the things that, that guide you through your decisions. Being persistent. Yeah. And people yeah. attach to being principled. Like when you have principles, you say, this is the way that I do things. Yeah. It's really important, but. I love that. I love that. How you got a little bit of that negativity as far as that probation remark there, because I, I, anytime I get like any kind of negativity in life, uh, from all the, the, all the things I've been through and stuff, I just put that like chip on my shoulder. And I remember, you know, when I was in first started in business and things and things weren't going my way and I wasn't getting a paid job again, I didn't get a paid job for over four months. I just, I like, I tapped into that anger a little bit, almost in a, in a very selfish and, uh, wasn't very particularly healthy way as far as like, you know, if I felt like I wasn't doing enough, I'd be just like, that's a chip on my shoulder. I'd be just like angry and I'd just look at it and I'd be like, all right, let's just keep going. Let's just keep grinding this out and see what Some happens. Some of the most successful people that I've come in contact with and I've, I've asked questions to, like, you know, what drives you, what makes it happen? I mean, nine times out of 10, they can identify the chip within seconds. They're like, the reason why is because somebody said this to me. Yeah. Or the reason why is because 
this happened to me. You yeah. know, like like when you started off by saying, you know, that you got that home inspection, you were overseas, and you know, it 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 just wasn't what you expected, and that that's what gave you the idea to get into the business and and to think, you know, coming into 2020, you know, the COVID times or whatever, how many people bought houses sight unseen? Right. Like how many did you bunches? How many people did you come in contact with when you did home inspections, as opposed to prior to that? Because yeah. everybody was like, hanging out and all wanted to be around and in your yeah, space the exactly, whole time. Yeah, exactly, the whole time. And right. that probably changed it a lot, but you were prepared for that because that's something that drove you to get into the business in the yeah, first place. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of like what Michael Jordan used to do. Like, he would just keep making stuff up in his head. Like, he'd take a little bit of negativity, you know, like when he yeah. play against some guys, he'd hear stories, and he'd just, like, make up stories in his head. And it's like, you know, I kind of do the same thing. It's like, is that, is that weird? It's I'm important. Like, yeah. I do it in a healthy manner now. It's like a, at the time, my first two years, I was doing it in a very unhealthy manner. And now, yeah. I think the ways that it can be unhealthy is like the persona that I've created for myself. And in that chip, yes, it would force me to work harder and to spend more time and get more business. Like what it did was it intimidated me from like socially interacting with yeah, people imposter, on the other side of the syndrome deal. or whatever, well, kind yeah. of like what you're leading to. Right. I feel like with that, it was like specifically, like I feel like people have this certain perception of who I am and what yeah. I am. And right now I just don't have time to deal with that. The thing that's the very most important in my business is bringing more agents into my, my space. Yeah. That's the very most important thing. Like I've built this space. I've got the resources. I've got the support. It's different in the sense, you know, this is like, it would probably be compared to joining a franchise. But the difference is, is that, I spend every single day making sure that the split that the agent has with my company provides value to them and helps yeah. them grow and helps them create more business. And I believe in my heart that someone will make more money working with me yeah. than working on their own. If you're a solo agent, you're still a team. You just do more. You're just trying to be great at a lot of things that you don't need to be great at. Exactly. All those tasks, you don't need to be great at that stuff. But then as the team grows, like, the expenses pile up, you know, exactly. in business expenses are crazy, but, but in real estate, you know, being able to share the expenses and have the top software, not the stuff that's antiquated, but the stuff that really does perform, produce. perform. Exactly. But that's where, you know, we were saying like having that chip is really important, but sometimes you create that chip or that, or that thing and it directs you the wrong way because it pushes me away from doing what's most important for my business, which is connecting with more agents and helping more agents yeah. be successful because I feel like they feel a certain way about me. That chip, I've seen it like professionally, it's done a lot of good for me, like long-term, right. a lot of great things professionally. But you know, the, the trauma I went through with my son's mother, once we separated, I moved back to the state, she didn't come back with me. I seen that, you know, when I was ready to date and go on my personal life and trying to be like an effective romantic partner in my profession, my personal life, like that really, that kind of trauma and that chip I had on my shoulder really just held me back for a few years. Yeah. You know, and I'm still like, cause you know, trying to date and things of that nature now, but still I kind of feel it a little bit still negatively affecting my personal life. Right. Because I've created so much, I've done so much on my own and then through hiring the right people and delegating things out, you know, professionally doing amazing, having a great time, having fun. But yeah, per, uh, personally, yeah, still suffering a little bit through, um, through having too much of that chip and relying too much on that. Right. And not being a very good um, romantic partner um, as far as having like that good relationship, that strong personal relationship that I, that I, I desire. At this point in my life, you know, I'm 48 years old, still young, but like I didn't get married to the right person until I was 45. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. when you say, you know, getting back into dating, like 
I never really was into dating. I was always into the grind. I was always into the yeah. hustle and always Love into the, the work, always into the, always into the growth and always into like me. And I've seen so many people over the period of my life, like be in relationships and be stuck in relationships and be like in a relationship because they have to be in a relationship and like all these things. Yeah. And like, I'm in the best relationship of my entire life. And it's like, because I wasn't on the hunt and I wasn't, I never have been yeah. really my whole life. Yeah. But, um, any advice I could give you, that would be it. Yeah. So yeah. Like, the hunt is what kills it. I didn't know you were single, first yeah. of all, until the other day when they were talking about it. But uh, I guess the interaction that you had with someone on the team. Yeah, or whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. But not Try, the, with the interaction with someone on the team, but someone connected to someone on the yeah, team. And I'm like, yeah, wait, wait, yeah. I didn't know he wasn't I was single. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of stuff about you until I read your bio there either. But um and that's the thing too is like uh, you know get, it took, I could give you all kinds of advice. Yeah, like, took, I got it, you, man. Yeah, because like, it took me a couple of years to be like comfortable, like opening <laughs> to up, open too, up to it, right? You know, as far as you know, embracing some of those things and just owning it. And it's like it, there's nothing wrong with it, but no. it's also like taking that time and dealing with those things. So you know, because it does honestly make me a better performer professionally as well. And you know, trying to get control of like my personal life and taking responsibility for a lot of actions so I could be a better person personally because, yeah, I do want, like, a partner in crime because yeah. I'm sure you see the value of having a partner in crime now oh, yeah. and what she's brought to your life. Oh, you yeah. know, that's kind of, like, what I want and what I'm, like... But it's ultimately, like, I think it all goes back to, like, with that and with leadership in general. Like, I think it, a lot of it has to do with leadership. I mean, like, relationships have a lot to do with leadership. I mean, like, you're in relationship when you're a leader and... Like, I feel like um, a big part of my relationship is my personal growth or my, like, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know how to put that, but I just know that there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. Yeah, I'm not and in a rush. There's plenty of time. I'm not, and you I'm keep not focused in a rush. On, you just it's, stay focused on yourself, man. The, the, dating, the dating world, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting I, I right now. Imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't uh, imagine. I totally miss yeah. the whole online dating thing and, like, I kind of feel like I'm pretty good at the online thing and I always have been. Yeah. But I've never like, I've never like marketed myself in the dating world. Yeah. Like I, I mean, like I said, I've never really been on the other side of it where I'm the hunter. Like I've always, I've always put myself in positions where I'm the hunted. Yeah. You know, like exactly to be organically. Yeah. yeah. Like I've always like just, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say that I didn't intentionally end up connecting with someone, but I didn't do it in a way that was like, put my profile up online and, yeah. you know, changing the the headline and changing yeah. the photo and changing the bio. I didn't, there was never a point like that. Um, Cause I, I don't, um, I find that really interesting. I, I just, yeah, I don't dabble. And I tell everybody on my teams too, like, don't, don't, you know, mess around with the people that we work with, you know? And, and I, I have those same values and stuff too. Like I don't, I grew, cause, up, in, cause, I grew up in a restaurant. My, it was my family's restaurant. And like, that was like one of the rules <laughs> But it was ultimately my way of not being in relationship with any of the people that I slept with. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like, look, we can't do this if you can't keep it on the down low. Like you've got to keep it on the down low or we can't do it. Right. That was a condition that I set prior to. So that's how I worked. But I mean, but yeah. meeting people that you work with, it's like that's where you're at every day and all yeah. day. And it's like, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. Because some of, the, some of the, the people I network with and they're like, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. And I'm like, you know, no disrespect. I just, I don't do that. Like, thank you, but I just don't want to go down that road. <laughs> just in case it doesn't work or something happens. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want none of that stuff. So I haven't. That's interesting. I haven't, um, 
yeah, dated anybody in yeah the real 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 estate community. I don't think that I can recall. So you're just not so, willing to take risks yet. Yeah, not saying. willing to take those kind of risks. But yeah, you would. No. For, there's probably got to be a couple. There's a couple. You're yeah. Taking a risk for. Yeah. There's probably a couple. I would. Yeah. yeah. But I got. I got my. I um, mean, it's good to say that you won't. Yeah. I mean, but at the I, end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm at a point in my life too where I've, um, you know, been married, been divorced, uh, got a got a son out of um, wedlock, and uh, I'm just yeah sticking to my must have and can't stands. He's ten. He's ten. Ten. Do you, I mean, do you see your son or? Mm-mm. So. Um, uh, three years in court. This was right before London got shut down. So uh, my son lives in London, England with his mother. And this was right before COVID shut down access to to Europe uh, in London. So all the restaurants were closed down. I was in court with her for three years to try to get more access to my son. And I lost like big time. So all I get is photos, school updates. And, well, and that's does, about so it. So you do get that. So I get that. That's about it. And uh, just interviewed a new legal team out in London. So I feel pretty good about them. And I didn't feel like they were trying to sell me on anything. They weren't particularly interested whether they had my business or not. But they were pretty optimistic as far as being purposefully alienated as a father that I could get more access and more rights yeah, to my geez, son. Man. So that's been that's uh, also a pretty uh, driving force. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen him in a few years. And it's been tough, tough swallowing yeah, that right. pill. So didn't think it could, you know, I think I'm a good person and everything. Right. But then to, you know, go to England and kind of you, you hear the rumblings, a little bit of the like the social and the political dynamics of alienating fathers from their kids, you know, almost purposeful. Yeah. And you hear it from a lot of other single dads and how a lot of these young men and some women too, um, you know, lose their ass financially over you know, these separations of the relationship and the kids fall victim. And, and I was like, oh, you know, like, can't happen to me. Happened to me. Got got my butt handed to me. Had a lot of, lot of, uh, yeah, negative that's things. Gotta make, that's got to make it tough in dating. Like when you said that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, the traumatic stuff. Like, like going through that, that part of it, like to think that, like you put your trust in someone and had a child. And just, yeah, purposefully taken away. To have, like, that, have someone do that is, like... Yeah. Oh, no, it was a tough pill to swallow. Super, super hard pill to swallow there. I found and, out I had a kid, or I found some... Well, one of the waitresses at my dad's restaurant <laughs> sent me an ultrasound, said she was six months pregnant, and I was 23, and I had just, like, got my life back together. I had, I was out there, got it back together, I had set some goals. My biggest goal in life was to give my children more choices than I had because I grew up on both sides of the tracks. And, yeah. Uh, she told me she was six months pregnant. And I, like, it was, like, the, a moment, like, I became a failure in that moment. Like, I'm like, this isn't going to turn out right because I'm already not giving my child more choices, right? Right, yeah. Well, 23, it's amazing how dumb we were in the Two 20s. and a half years into it where I was, like, had the baby four days a week and, you know, paying and all kinds of child support two and a half years in. And my mom was very, very supportive. I mean, like she said, I'm not going to ask another question, but if you ever want to get a test, I'll be here for you. Oh, that's awesome. To have that kind of support. I mean, but it always stayed in the back of my head. I'm like, yeah. why? Why? <laughs> you know, in two and a half years in, I said to this woman, I said, you know, I have tickets to Tom Petty. They're like third or fourth row, the best tickets I've ever had to a concert. I said, you want to go? And she said, no, I'm going with someone else. I was like, wait a minute. Like, we weren't, like, I wouldn't exclusive. say we were dating. Yeah, yeah we, weren't, we weren't exclusive, but we were still hanging out. Um, 
anyway, she, so she said that, and she also had two other kids with two other dads at that time. Mine was the third. Man. What it uh, thought was the third. So I said, this is what I said to her. I said, you got love coming from three different families. I mean, that's more than most. Like, you got love coming from all over. So no, I said, why are you bringing another man into this situation? You got love. You got sex. Yeah. You got money. Because every time you ask for money, I give it to you. Yeah. You got all these things in your life. Like, what would you bring a man into this fucked up situation for? Like, yeah. why would you bring another man into this? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And she said to me, he's special, and he treats me with respect in front of the kids. Uh, and it was at that very moment that light bulb went off, and I'm like, holy shit, this bitch is crazy. Because yeah. those are things that I, like, pride myself. And it was like she took these two things that she knew would make me angry yeah. and said them to me. Yeah. And I was like, there's something wrong with her. Yeah. She wanted to twist the narrative. And, and she wanted to twist the narrative. And oh, I was yeah. like, I called my mom up. I'm like, Mom, I got to get a test. And I took this little girl. I, I never forget it. Because, like, when we're walking into the hospital, like, she's, like, singing, Daddy, I love you. And da-da-da-da-da. I mean, it was, pff, she's sitting on my lap because they just swabbed her cheek and they took my blood. And she was, like, worried about them taking my blood. And these women are looking at me like I'm a creep. Like, yeah. What are you biggest doing? Biggest asshole in yeah. the world. Oh, like, yeah. Why are you doing this? Oh, yeah. And the mother didn't know I did that like she didn't know that we that's what we did on our day together and uh results came back 99.9 not, not yours damn damn and how i reacted that's, to it because you're what 25 26 at the time yeah and how damn. i reacted she was working at the car dealership my mom was managing and um how i reacted to it is i called her up i said i need you to come outside and i took the piece of paper and i crumbed it up and threw it at her face and told her to fuck off and i never saw the kid again damn 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 yeah, like how long did it take you? Like, I think, we were, oh, it took me. It took me like fifteen years. Like, it was like I was in this circle. The circle was, like, I can't be with a woman until I fix the scar, and I can't fix the scar until I have a kid. Yeah. So like, I'm like, I'm like in this circle of like pain. Yeah. Like trauma. Trauma. Yeah. Like, exactly. like you're talking about. Like yeah. Like just looped. Like not going anywhere. Yeah. Not being able to fix it. Because I, I recognize the, the, the drugs. The, I got into drugs big time. I was like, I was a total mess. And, um, and uh, yeah. Now, people would always say to me, like, because I was, like, the person that everybody came to to talk about goals. And I don't know. I mean, I've always been, like, focused, right? Like, right. And, like, how could you do that? Like, how could she was still your daughter? And she's not my daughter. Yeah. She's somebody else's daughter. Yeah. And I hate the mother. Yeah. So, she's like, already it's, you not, with the it's not. It's not. But. It's not even like I hate her mother so much that it wouldn't be productive or healthy for me to be in that relationship with her. Correct. Like, yeah. the hate was that. But that took me a long time, man. It maybe took longer than 15 years. It wasn't, I mean, I was in my probably mid 30s before it. 15 Getting years. Getting over it. Yeah, yeah so when, I was, when, 10, when I was going through years. mine, I went, I, went to the, I went to therapy for three years straight, once a week for three years straight. And that helped a lot. Actually, I was really glad, uh, really glad I, I, I found that because when I was going through it at the beginning, I turned to alcohol pretty good, but it, I never, it never became a problem, thank God, because I got yeah. that addictive personality. That's why I like, I like the nicotine as far as like, uh, thank you on pouches gives me energy and focus, <laughs> not sponsored, but it's uh, a lie. yeah, exactly. It's a lie. I smoke <laughs> for 30 years. I can tell you yeah, that's a lie. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> but going through that, it's just amazing how, you know, when you go through some of those hardships like that and just like how long, you know, you don't really recognize it, but like how it just changes you and how long it can actually affect all your decisions and for a long period of time. And, yeah. and then, you know, how the me, scars affect your relationships. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I've been like so bad 
bad at, you know, romantic relationships as far as, you know, with a number of the women I've dated and stuff and some of the girlfriends I've it's had. It's hard to get that trust back. And exactly. And, um, you know, which really limited my growth. And I've dated some incredible women who, you know, kind of look back and I'm like, eh, you know, lost a good one there. But it's I'll right. tell you, like, it really did affect, I think, the way that I made it positive because is like young men. Like how naive to be like this woman said that she's hundred percent the mother. Yeah. She said she was a hundred percent. Yeah. Look me right in the eyes and said it. Yeah. Like how is that possible? Like, how can you be a hundred percent when you're not like, yeah. first of all, yeah. and about someone's life, about more than one person's lives, all these families and all these kids and all this stuff that goes on. Like I would be interested to know how many kids are actually fathers. I mean, that was a scar that stayed on my brain a long time too. It's still there. Like, yeah. I'm like even in marriages, like how many kids could be somebody else's? Yeah, exactly. They're like, it's not like that are, aren't a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Like if it's 99.9, if there's a possibility, then it, which there is lots of possibilities. I mean, they happen all the time, but absolutely not thinking about that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that that's how the world works, but it, I'm proud I, of you, brother. I'm glad you worked through it. That stuff. Uh, it took me a long time. Oh, uh, it took me such a long time. To I almost be went to prison. Talk I went to prison it. on yeah. drugs. I was bad. I wasn't never a drug dealer, but I always bought lots of drugs. Like I mean, because I always I've always made money. And one night I had a party at my house, and uh, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning, and it was the cops pounding on my door, and nobody was there, and I was on the couch. Like, go to the door, and they're like, "We need to come in the house," and I'm like, "Whoa, you're not coming <laughs> in my house." It was St. Patrick's Day. Um, St. Patrick's Day is always a good day. St. Patrick's Day. Uh, well, I was 30, so, you know, I'm 48 now, so 28 years ago. Yeah, what, uh, 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Yeah. So um, I'm like, no. They're like, well, come outside. I was fucking dumb. I went outside, and they stuck their foot in the door and came in the house. Yeah, of course. And they found all the remnants from the party. Or no, no, at that point, they didn't, they didn't search my house then. They took me to, into custody, and, uh, and they had me in custody for, like, six hours. And, I mean, I'm freezing cold. They're asking me these questions over and over, and they're like, I'm like, I want to talk to an attorney. I want to talk to an attorney. They, yeah. they were charging me with accessory to rape because this girl, how this all happened, this girl had sex with some guy, and then she went to the hospital. Yeah. And she didn't call it rape, but I guess if you go to the hospital because of something that's related to sex, I mean, I don't know what happened. I right. really don't. I didn't have anything to do with it. Like, yeah. I wasn't there. Right. I was in the house, but I wasn't in that part of the house, I guess. And, um, Yeah. It's a messed up story, but so they kept asking me this. They kept putting me this. They kept asking me like, "What happened? What? Why would? Why would this happen? And what happened?" I, they're like, "She said she was drugged." And I said, "She wasn't drugged. She was partying, and it was right there." They were like, "Oh, what does that mean?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was. They I got, got tripped up in the words." And yep. then they're like, "Okay, we're done with you." They put me in a cell and they went and searched my house, and you know they found all the leftover drugs, and I was facing thirty years. Damn. 30 years in prison. Damn. And I and I and I went to I went to jail and I had never been institutionalized in my whole life. I've right. never been under somebody else's care. Like right. uh, like this is what time you go to bed, this is what time you know, like the military does that to you. You know, like yeah. they, yep. being institutionalized, I'm not comparing being in jail, but that's what went through my brain is like no one's ever told me what to do. Exactly. Ever. Yeah. Like, and if they did, I broke the rules, right? Yeah. The only people that didn't suffer, in, you know, during the pandemic and stuff was like, uh, you know, people who've been to jail and people who've been in the military because they're like, ah, oh, we're used to being locked down. Like, this ain't right. no big deal. Right. You know? Right. So 
um, shortly after, like I, I came back and they, they said that I was supposed to have come in for drug testing. And nobody ever gave me a piece of paper or told me that I needed to do that. They locked me up, locked me up again. And, um, <coughs> then they took away my bond. And I, so I'm sitting in jail. I'm like, I, I was pretty tough in jail. I'm like, cause I snore, I've snored since I was young and I'm loud. <laughs> and I walked in, it was a pot of like 28 guys. And I, I walked in, I said, look, I snore. And if anybody wakes me up, I'm punching them. Yeah. And that's how I introduced myself to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a boss in the cell block. <laughs> Anyway, so I got this attorney, and I kept telling him, they asked me for the tape. They, I, asked, I said, ask him for the tape. Get the tape. Because I asked him 50 times for an attorney, and they wouldn't let me leave. They wouldn't give me an attorney. They wouldn't let me leave. I kept saying it and saying it and saying it. Now, meanwhile, I, you know, oh, between there, I went to rehab. Like, in between, when I was on bond, I went to rehab. And, uh, and then I um, had lost the respect of every single person in my family, they wouldn't give me twenty dollars because they thought I was gonna buy drugs with it. Uh, like it was yeah. like the stigma. It yeah, was like stereotyping. I was like, like you're a drug on in. the very bottom. Yeah. Like where I was buying thousands of dollars worth of drugs, not twenty. Yeah. Like I would never do that. Like it would be dumb. Yeah. Like that's how my head was. But I lost it all. My family, my business, my friends, and uh, the day of court. Finally going to court, and I've been in there for like twenty six days, and you know, my beard's overgrown, and my Jumpsuits oversized, yeah. my hair's all messed up, and uh, they dismissed the case mm. because they didn't have the tape. The police officers didn't show up. They didn't have the tape. They record nothing. Didn't record nothing. So you went they, through all that stuff. I went through all of it. I mean, but I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't change anything yeah. for the world. Because Good wake-up call? It was a great wake-up call. I mean, ultimately what I did was I left. I just left. I just booked. Good. I just booked. I went to Florida, and... Um, that's the great thing town. about America, too, is, like, you can just reinvent yourself. No matter what you go through, you can reinvent yourself. I booked town, and I started waiting tables again. Yeah. I was a waiter for, like, four or five years. Uh, four or five years, I was down in South Florida waiting tables. And then um, then I met my ex-wife who lived in Lexington. And I came to Lexington didn't know anybody. But uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it was, man. But I just think about those stories. I mean, talk about a chip or talk about, like, things that, like, impact your life. That was one of them. Was one of them. Well, put you on the right path and stuff like that too, because it's 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 great when you go through, you know, and you're able to rise above from some of those hardships and stuff like that too, and just kind of you know reflect and be like, you know, I've done some dumb stuff, I've done some hard things, and like, yeah, this is really. But that's what it took me to to get me out of the trauma, like the trauma from the child. I mean, ultimately, like, took me to that space. Like, I didn't have therapy. Like, drugs were my therapy. Yeah. And jail and the threat of prison. But I had accepted, like. I, in my mind, when I was sitting in jail, like, had accepted that I was probably going to do five years. Yeah. In my mind. I'm like, Damn. I'm going to be in here for five years. At yeah. least. Facing 30, I'm facing 30 years with two 15-year charges. I'm going to be in here for five years at least. So you already, like, mentally prepared over those I was 26 mentally prepared. days. It was at, at the moment, like, in there, I was like, that's when I was able to, like, come to peace and not, like, I was like, okay, my life's going to change. I'm going to make it through this. Everything's going to be fine. It's only going to be five years. And I walked yeah. in that courthouse and that day, and he's like, when they dismissed that case, it was like, is that was when I was able to release all that pain. It was like all the pain went away. And it's like, okay, now I have another chance. Yeah. Now I gotta do something right. Now and it was like the drugs gone. The all the stuff, it was like everything like just went away in that moment. And I took it as like That's awesome. How did you does your family celebrate you now? Like everything you've accomplished that's and a all the success? Because they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm currently in a like 
don't know, conflict, I guess you call it. Because I, I would say that would lead to like, my family's some, in, a lot like of in Michigan. I mean, like, there are some that do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would think that there are. There's some that celebrate it, but I'm not really there. Yeah. Like, I don't, the only connection I had to Michigan was my family. Right. And then Northern Michigan is beautiful. But like, at this point, it's like since I started my own family, there's no point. Like the connection's kind of lost. It's like they have their own families and everybody has their own thing and has their own, they don't have time. What I didn't realize, what, I, what I've learned to realize is that I didn't really, they didn't have time for me before, but I made time for them. Right. And it, I also think a big part of it's like family tradition. So as my grandparents died off, there was nothing that was made the time valuable to be connected. Like right. where they didn't let that go. Like they didn't let the holidays go by without everybody getting together, right? Yep. But then as people grow and grandparents pass away, it's like then those traditions are lost. But then it's like people have their own thing going on and they don't have time for your thing. Yep. In the moment when like when I start a family and in my time becomes more valuable to me, like to the point that I don't have time to deal with that. Well, now I understand how that where that all came from and like how important those family traditions that my grandparents held are in a family and if especially when you're six hours apart like once that once that connection is gone it's hard to keep on facetime you know it's hard to keep that going yeah exactly. over the internet it's not the same and so i mean i think there's several reasons but uh you know someday that's someday that's they'll, all right someday they'll appreciate me <laughs> like i'm a good person just like you said i mean that's what i reflect back to whenever i have conflict i go back to like like i think about like yes i might not have handled that the best right yeah might have been a little too aggressive. I might have been a little too, uh, a little too cold. A little. I might have lacked empathy. I might have. I'm a good person. Yeah. I'm a good person, and I'm deep in my heart. I'm out to do good things for people. Right. And there's so many people that are out there to do bad things, and so many people that are out. I almost use that as like my way of rising above like when you said it i really connected with that there's a lot of things you said today that i connected with but that was one of them it's like i'm a good person like it's a good thing to know about yourself and it's a good thing to like connect with because it makes all the rest of it a little easier to deal with because yeah. like because it because it ain't that you hard. can't break yeah. you can't break that part of me yeah. that i'm honest and that i do what i'm supposed to do and that i do things for other people and you know like you can't break that. That's right. always there. No matter how I react to a situation, I didn't steal from you. Yeah. I don't owe you money. I haven't lied to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what else? How else could I have betrayed you with my uh, problem-solving skills or with the way I handled something? Like, that can't be enough to outweigh those other things. Yeah, exactly. And look how much, and look how well you've risen above all that stuff too. It's good. There's it's so good. much more in the yeah. That's that's like. That's why I say like, another thing I want to talk to you about. Like, what what is it that, like, I, I've been really connected with podcasts lately. So, I was watching one. Uh, was it a podcast? No, it was uh, Sean White, the snowboarder. Yeah. His series on it's either Netflix or Amazon or something. I haven't seen it. Oh, I don't know who Sean White is though. Yeah. The guy's a stud. Like he, the, his final Olympics. Like he's won all these gold medals and he's had all these achievements and he changed. Because I was a snowboarder when I was on the hills the first day the ski hill allowed him. I had a snowboard on. Yeah. You know, the very first day they were allowed at the ski hill that I grew up around. And um, so I've always been. But we were always like outcasts. It was always like 
It yeah, kind of like the skateboard. It was never like mainstream, that. and it was never. I never even conceived that it would. It was like skateboarding and biking. Never conceived that it would ever make it to the level that it made it to. Um, but his story. So he was talking about all these achievements, and like you know, he's got his uh, physical therapist and all these different people that are commentating on how special his life is. And like, one thing that he kept going back to is like, like yeah, you won a gold medal at the Olympics. Like, is that he? He was like. I always thought that that would solve something for me. Yeah. Nope. But then once you do, yeah, then it's on it's to like, the next it's one. It's on to the next something else. So, yeah. What is it that like? What are you trying to make happen right now? Um, what's the next step for you? Like professionally? You, yeah, professionally. Professionally, um, I really enjoy growing teams. I really love it. I really do. Even if that means I got to take a pay cut to to ensure people on my teams make more money or give them more opportunities, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to make those sacrifices. Because right. the at the beginning when I started my my business journey, you know, I was chasing the dollar because I had to. I had to put money. I had to put food on the table. I had to provide. Had all these bills. And once once I got that solidified, once I had a good book of business and things were going, I really enjoyed hiring people. Really enjoy having teams. Really enjoy leading people. Um, love giving promotions from within. I get excited when I hear about, or, you know, people on my team talk about going on vacations or getting ready to have kids and things of that nature, yeah. or interested in buying like a house. Um, so right now, professionally, I would love to do another acquisition. I'd love to hire a few more people onto the team. Oh, um, acquisition, what are you talking about? Real estate? Um, or business? Yeah, other businesses. Other yeah, businesses. Yep. Yeah. Um, potentially looking to acquire other businesses. Is that... Did you acquire this? Nope, Did you this buy is this? Mine. Okay. Yep. This is mine. Uh, so I would I would love to be interested in anybody looking to, you know, maybe not wanting to take on all the load of being a solo operator. Yeah. Potentially bringing them on. Um, I would like to work in, you know, Central Kentucky, Louisville, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, uh, and and get into some of these markets, whether it's through home inspections or radar mitigation or whatever. I just Enjoy the growth. Part of it, too, is I want to just be better personally. So I've been on that path for trying to, as far as like the past 18 months or so, just trying to be a better person and working on my per personal development and my mental yeah. health and things like that, too, and my physical health. It's really important. You know, just want to grow a little bit more. I don't think I want to get above 20 people on my teams and then just have a little bit more flexibility for my personal life um, is where I want to go professionally. So just get to 20 people, as big as I want to get, I think. Man, we align on a lot of things. And uh, uh, that way I can still know everybody to the best of my ability and rise everybody up around me. And I just like leading by example to the best, best I can, especially with my family and stuff, too. So I've got about 10 questions for you. <laughs> I've, really enjoyed our, I've really enjoyed our conversation, but I want to get down to business because there's, there's some business questions I have for you that... I think will help the people I work with and will help the people you work with. Go for it. What is the craziest thing you've seen doing a home inspection? <laughs> um, mm, some, some of the things I can't talk about. Um, That's what we want. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Wait, I mean, I, 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 can't I, I you did, like, can't you like, uh, I can share a little bit. Bleep it so, out maybe or something. So I, I did have one house, um, real, real nice property and um, very interesting individual. And they, they had a very interesting sex room. And mm. in the closet of the sex room, I wasn't even supposed to go in there. I, wasn't even, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to go in there, but I went in there by accident. They told me later not to go in there, but they didn't know I went in there. 
and there, there was there was definitely sex clothes in there. They were like crimson, crimson cl- colored. Oh jeez! So that, I think they were. I think these people were into like cutting each other. Oh. So that was kind of wild. Um, <laughs> the amount of sex toys I've seen in showers is oh, pretty. Geez. It's pretty funny as far as still being. Uh, but you think people put stuff away? Yeah, like, just being strapped up in the shower still. It's oh, just like, geez. oh man, it's like, oh, I blush when I see some of that stuff. I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm lacking in that area. What What are some uh, negative things you're seeing? On a regular basis, like, are there some things that stand out? Yeah, flip houses. Every one of them need to be inspected. Unfortunately, I'm not running into a lot of uh, flip houses that are nicely done. Um, really, a lot of flip houses. So, what shows up on these flip houses that people wouldn't see? So, especially if there's a crawl space, um, sometimes, well, oftentimes, I'll typically see like a lot of structural issues. So, recently, I had one where they they try to hide some of the structural issues by covering up some of the wood rot in a few locations in the crawl space. Like, knew it was there. Like, you could feel, like, how soft the floors were um, in the middle of the house and then on the uh, foundation walls. So some of those areas were intentionally um, tried to be covered up. So through adding extra layers to hide it without actually fixing the issue. Yeah. Um, so finding that. It, it's one thing if, you, if you've never been in the crawl space, but it's another thing if you've been in the crawl space and you try to cover something up with, yeah, 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 just like more two by eights or two by tens, and you know, sistering things up as opposed up to doing it the in, right way instead of just removing it, taking it out, doing it the right way. Um, I've seen a lot of shoddy electrical work here recently. Uh, in addition to that, it, almost to the point to it's like, hey, it would have been cheaper just to hire a professional. You know, adding all these junction boxes and all these extra wires and all these materials you bought to do this yourself, like you would have actually saved money if you would have just hired a pro to do it. Right. Um, so that's some silliness I'm seeing. Uh, flip houses, yeah, all of them need to be inspected. A lot of flip houses are coming back with a lot of issues. Uh, new construction definitely needs to be inspected as well. Common issues I'm finding in, in new construction, hardy board siding. So the cement siding, um, yeah. a lot of new construction, uh, even some of these bigger builders, they're not having actual professionals that know how to install the cementous boards on the side. Okay. Uh, the cuts all got to be sealed. All the penetrations got to be sealed. All the nail heads got to be sealed. There's certain flashing methods and techniques that have to happen. You got to really follow the manufacturer recommendations for the hardy board siding. Otherwise, you're going to have water coming right back into the building envelope. Okay. And I've been seeing that a lot on new construction, hardy okay. board siding that installed correctly. In addition to improper flashing on the roofing materials, as far as some of the fascia uh, or some of the trim work, um, not being flashed properly. So there's, there'll be excessive gaps where you can actually see um, some of the wood components. How do you feel about the, um, like the defense that, well, I didn't know it was supposed to be that way? Uh, flippers, I get it because there's so many people that are just going to like YouTube and TV and they, and they think uh, they know how to do things correctly. Um, and again, I'm not a code expert or anything of that nature, but like a new construction, like they should know. Um, right. New construction because those those get phase inspections by code experts, right? You know, right? And that that defense of we didn't know, especially on new construction, I don't buy because again, there's a lot of builders, and there are some good builders right. around our area. There's some really good builders I really respect, uh, but then then there is a number of builders that just you know cutting corners, cutting costs, not enough supervision for the teams that they have when they're uh, general contractors. Um, so new construction, no, um, flips, they don't know, I guess. Yeah. I have yeah. a tough time with that. Personal responsibility is one of my top things. Yeah. Like I'm not going to point fingers. I'm going to point thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> what, like a homeowner owns the house. Like what's a common thing that you see 
that a homeowner could fix or that they should pay attention to? Keep the veg away from the house. Too much veg. Some people get carried away with the vegetation as far as like the bushes, the trees right near the property. That mm -hmm. can cause a lot of issues in a short period of time. I've, I've even had houses with CPVC drainage line, plastic drainage lines, where they planted like a, na a nice birch like right over top of the drainage line. And the house less than 10 years old and the roots have already penetrated yeah. the drainage lines right. with the clean outs. Um, so keeping the veg away from the house and then keeping water away from the house. Um, some of those decisions are easy to make at the very beginning. You know, you're excited about buying a new house. Be intentional and purposeful in the research that you do on the vegetation that you're looking to put around your property. Because as big as a canopy is, the root system can be you that need bigger, to know bigger. How far it needs to be planted from the house. Yeah, and keep the gutters clean and the downspout six eight feet away from the house. I was getting my hair cut today, and uh, my barber. I told him that was one of the questions I was going to ask you, and he was like, "I can't wait to hear what his answer." I'm gonna, I said, oh, "I can already tell you, it's drainage." Yeah, like Water. I know that every house that I've ever bought, the very first thing I do is fix the drainage, and yeah. I fix the leaks in the crawl space or the or the or in the. Or in the basement. Yeah. Like I, the very first in. thing I'm doing, because that's why I'm getting a deal on the house, because yeah. the people didn't pay attention to that. Yeah. It's hurt the house. So yeah. that's yeah. great advice. Because it's incredible how quickly, like once you have too much moisture, like around your property or in your property from some of those negligent things, like you'll get environmental hazards, like fungal or microbial growth yeah. beginning to happen and, you know, staining. And then there could be wood deterioration, deterioration of some of the building components that you can't even see until the finished materials are removed. That's great advice. What about real estate agents? What um, advice do you have for real estate agents? Uh, just be better communicators. Um, I've, I've been saying this for a long time because I've gotten complaints before because I communicate too much within our processes as well, far as how we... I was kind of... Uh, Talking about that this morning. Yeah, <laughs> I asked you if you if you're because if we get you doing a radon system for one of my clients, and I got two texts that were the same. Yeah, you shouldn't have gotten two. Uh, should have been one, but it depends how the software is set up. But communication. But is, you, that's uh, what you. That's how yeah. I didn't tell you what I had. I just said yeah. is that I asked you if it was automated or if it was a person. You yeah. said it was automated. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But we, you you also said we over communicate because we don't get into problems for that and. I, I think that's great advice. Like yeah. I give that, I, that's the same advice I give. Like I've never once got a complaint from us over communicating the process or over communicating yeah. the timeline or over communicating, you know, that's something that I say like the always end a call and we have somebody under contract with this is what happens next. Yeah. This is what happens next. Yeah. Like every conversation, this is what happens next. I love that. So you're no, and no, nobody's going to complain about over communicating. And, and the thing too, like, with, with the profession of the real estate industry being under attack now yeah. over this last couple of years and stuff like that, like it's incredibly important to, to, to rest on our laurels of being ethical and how we do things and how we approach things and operate in an integrous manner just because there are now we have like extra eyes on us because we've had so many bad apples in industry, even in my industries as well. Bad oh, yeah. apples just like chasing the dollar instead of chasing – because these are careers. These can be very lucrative careers right. that can provide a great quality of life. And we can make a very insightful and positive impacts on our community if we all operate in an integrous and, you know, just in an ethical manner. And I think that's a great, I think that's great advice. I think it's a great way to conclude our conversation. Yeah. And I really appreciate you coming in today. I appreciate it. Thanks and, so much, uh, Bob Safaya, for the time. I appreciate man, you, sir. Man, yeah, I, I feel really good about it. I mean, I think this will provide a lot of value for people. And uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, we'll do look it forward soon. to coming back. Coming back anytime, sir. All right, thanks, Thank man. you so much.